Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name's Mark Smith and I'm the tech editor of Resident Advisor. This week's exchange is with Tief Schwartz. In the back half of this week's episode, Ali and Busty Schwartz bring up the notion of the DJ highway. They've been traveling on it largely uninterrupted for over two decades now. But the experience has taught them that the second you take an exit, there's always more traffic waiting to take your place. So as musical trends came and went over the years, they've adapted to new conditions. They morphed from garage-tinged deep house to silky techie minimal and helped to find the sound known as Electro House along the way. But their roots in dance music actually stretched back to the glory days of Germany's club scene. In fact, they ran two hot clubs in Stuttgart for most of the 90s. In conversation with Matt Unicomb, the brothers look back on how the rave scene changed during their rise to fame and how they're navigating the new demands it places on DJs in the present day. might seem like an obvious question but doing something for 20 years hanging out together so much music all day every day do you have ups and downs where you're sick of him this oh, <laughs> or her because <laughs> 20 years is a long time to no, do something no matter how fun it is of course you're obsessed with music and it's your life i don't know how does it feel to be doing something every weekend every day for that long the answer is obvious it is a roller coaster and it's in the best family, it would be strange if there wouldn't be any ups and downs. And we have our issues like everybody else, anybody else. And, and of course, uh, we have times where we get along better and then times where we say, oh, you know what? I stay on my side and you stay on your side. It's it's part of the deal. And also <coughs> we, we are not living together. For that's, instance, that's, that's yeah. good because sometimes you know, especially in the in uh, in the early years, people really booked us in one hotel room. It was like, do you re- do you really need two hotel rooms? Well, it would be actually quite it nice. Was, it was around about twenty, twenty, <laughs> 20 yeah, or twenty-two. But, you know, but that's exactly people think we're we're twins. We you know we are basically okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So. There's my life, there's his life, and it's good that we have like time apart. Yeah, but we are, we are, we have, we have a dream, and we are strong personalities, and it's a good part of it. Well, we would not work together if it wouldn't work. How is the relationship? Is one more strict, and one's the party guy, or I don't know? How's it working? Over the years, we 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 worked on our discipline. So and and the weekend is weekend. You ne- have no idea. You, de- you never know what what's going on on the weekend during the weekend, but during the week we are really focused and we try to keep our mind clear. <laughs> so like this, but we are both party guys. Especially uh, in the beginning, at, when when we started, there was we were still running our second club at that time, <laughs> and we the were first eighteen years. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and at that at, at that time we were like it was a nonstop party. That was part of the of the whole deal, and that was also showing your passion. And but it was a different time also. It's an interesting point because with music these days, a lot of people don't start to become really known until they're in their thirties. Or younger, but basically, like there aren't so many people getting big at 21 years old, which means that when you 
find out about a DJ, you don't realize they might be getting famous now, but they've been doing something else. They've been doing their thing for like 10 years beforehand. And I guess that's what it's like with you guys. You're celebrating 20 years of the duo now, but there's this whole other history beforehand. Well, but the history beforehand was also DJing. It was just not as a duo. I was uh, in the ni 1990, Basti was on a drumming school in Hamburg and I started with a friend, uh, uh, the first club called On You. And after that, till the end of the 90s, the second club called Red Dog. And that's how, where our Basti pitched in and that's where our career basically started we we invited people we created a scene we we you know that was all about uh, deep house and early uh, chicago detroit new york style type of house and uh, that's where we got into the game as djs and also started to produce and that was before we actually founded t shorts so literally we're playing since like 27, 27 years now. So it's all, it's getting closer to 30 years, actually, but not as a duo. Yeah, but involved in, into music since I can think, you yeah. know. Early, uh, end of the 80s. That's I, I, got, I got my first drum kit when I was seven. I would like to get um, the best famous rock drummer in the world. You but wanted to become. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to become, yeah. And, um, yeah, and then I became a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And the producer, which and is the drummer. close to drumming, and, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah we, are, we are the strongest face in, in, in our career at the moment. That's what I what I feel, because we are really clear-minded and and we know exactly what what we want to do now. And um, production-wise, we are really on a on a high level now, and we are totally free-minded, and that's really good. Like, have you always felt confident, or something changed recently? Well, um, it gets more clear now. We were always like, that's part of the Tiefschwarz phenomenon that we always redevelop and develop our music. And because we, we don't want to like, we don't like to be pushed in, in drawers or, you know, like or in corners. And because we get bored by our own music pretty easily. So we try to go left and right, up and down, but we are more clear about the actual process. And like we did our fourth album two years ago and now we changed our little philosophy again and the older we get the more we work the more clear we are in our heads about the music so how does it work making music together you meet up during the week do you have to have a schedule like when you're going to meet or does it just happen naturally like do you we find yourself schedule so you kind of make sure to do a certain amount of work yeah that's, each it's, week it's the easiest way Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't end up doing it, or uh, it's good to have a schedule just to you know to have a kind. Of, it's like a deadline, you know, you know, because there's always distractions or private things. So it's good to have a deadline. Mm -hmm. And so, how does it work in the studio? Is one person doing the melodies, someone else is doing the drums, or Basti is, is the it really machine mixed? guy? And um, I'm more involved in the co-production. You know, he's the conductor. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Vasti really dig deep into the technical aspect and I'm more like, you know, from the outside, you know, like, you know, like cre creating together like melodies, arrangement questions and, and also finding the niche in which direction and together we have a good language in the studio, sometimes surprising, but it really, really works well that I'll, you know, there's this, I don't know the English word when you have two two uh, circles and you shift them on top of each other there's this room in the middle yeah that room where the two uh, circles connect is pretty wide where we have where we agree on and that's helpful yeah and thank god we found uh, the way back to the drum machines analog style and analog stuff because it's so good and all the machines running and and you record and uh, it's much more fun yeah It's more live. <laughs> It's more alive. That sounds completely different to, to digital, of course. And uh, But we have so much fun with all these machines and recording and not looking all the time in front of the screen. So I guess it's a bit more like how you started making music. We started with all this archive sampler stuff and all this analog stuff. And then uh, I think it, around 2008 or 2009, we switched 
to digital stuff, yeah, and everybody say, hey, digital is so great, so so easy and so simple, and and uh, yeah, no analog stuff more, MIDI stuff, blah blah blah. And now we returned to the analog. Or combine it, yeah. I think it's always uh, smart to use the best out of all the worlds. You know, why why um, exclude something if it's helpful? And it's at the end the result counts, and it's not so much about the way, but it's definitely a very interesting thing to involve uh, these analog machines yeah the analog energy is totally different and this is and real cool mistakes yeah you know? and of course things you would not program like that and that's good to to allow that and then include it in the in the production process yeah, it's much more creative yeah. and you're not you're not sitting in front of the monitor what i said all the time Because this is sometimes this is really that sucks totally when you're sitting in front of the computer all the time looking in front of the screen. Uh, uh, uh. That's much more natural and more creative not to look at the screen. So record and cut, record and cut, stuff like this. It's also a question of personality. Some people like to be like very detailed, and other people like more like the lively aspect. And as I said before, to combine these two qualities most of the time leads to a good result. If you wanted to start a club in the 90s, was it a lot easier to do that than it is now? Well, was there less regulation and at that time it was I I I, I would not say it was easier, but it was it was not as common. You know, it was also it was not in Berlin, it was back in our hometown in Stuttgart and um it was a total adventure. We were young. We were young. I was an art student and the craziest part of this whole thing was that our father or our parents I asked my father for help and he said okay that was possible at that time I talked to my bank so I'm gonna kind of back you up for a certain amount it was not that much money but it, it, he did it and then him and his wife our mother they went on a, on a tour to India with their backpacks for three months said have fun We come and celebrate with you guys. So that that much of a trust we 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 had from our parents, and that was fantastic. And yeah, and then we just started, and we were our own best guests. So it was a nonstop party, and the business aspect <laughs> with our father. We also, yeah, of course, and uh, the business aspect was there, but we were not focused on the business. We just wanted to show our passion and, and invite our friends. Basically, it was a, a big friends project in the beginning. Yeah, and, and it was and from from jazz to reggae, from hip hop to techno. We couldn't even mix in the beginning. It was only about quality music. And then slowly with with the club and evolving all aspects of it, like being more professional, seeing the business side, going, seeing, oh shit, uh, we made loss again and blah, blah, blah. All these points got more relevant and found the peak in the second club three years later and then the offbeat came around so you know <laughs> first club was all <laughs> over the map and second club was only pure house and techno totally addicted into into house and techno yeah, was, since was, until now so yeah. yeah but it was a very good experience because now we know like both sides of the story as a dj you pack your bag whatever it's in it it's and your responsibility ends with the end of your set With a club, you have to keep the quality up like day to day. And I'm actually happy that this time is over. <laughs> I can imagine it was a Me lot. Too. Of, <laughs> it'd be a lot of uh, stress, even though it's a fun project a fun when there's project, money on the line. And But, but it is, you have to have a totally different mindset. You cannot, like, it's better not to be a DJ when you run a club. Or you have like several partners, and you be you're very precise with, like this is your part, this is your part, and and delegate it professionally. If not, it's difficult. So, were there other clubs in Stuttgart at the time? It was crazy because Stuttgart was not never really on the map of like it's not a not one of the big cities, but the, the musical scene at that time was very very vibrant and interesting. We got voted uh, as number one club in Germany, like underground club from Specs magazine at that time, this, which this, was like this little hole in what was what was the sentence? This little hole in the middle of Germany is DJ heaven, or or no, this little hole, oh, this little hole in the middle of Germany is DJ heaven. That there was the yeah. editor in chief of DJ Max said that in the middle of the 90s once, but it was really special. It was very undergroundy and very. Uh, unique and unexpected and that made it so 
so fresh. Are there any clubs that you remind you of those days? I would say now? in a, it had like this kind of uh, Studio 54 touch because it was only about let loose, let go, no rules. We closed, the, we sometimes even locked the door got all naked, wrapped in toilet paper for three days. You know, like it was very, it was like a performance platform. Uh, in, really? Yeah. We, I can't remember. <laughs> but I do. <laughs> but it was really open. So it was all word to mouth, flyers, posters, and, you know, and week after week after week. And, and it was a small, very, like it was a core of people and very expressive and art related. And it was just like, big freedom platform i guess because in those days what i think like house and techno was a much more obscure thing so it attracted more weird people now it's so popular so it attracts like all you know yeah exactly uh, lots of i don't know what the right word is the ratio between mainstream people and more freaky weirdos yeah there's way more mainstream people. But maybe in the old days when it was this new thing. Totally. You get more of these crazy characters. Totally. It was it was exactly like that. Like the crazy characters of like downtown Stuttgart were there. And we were like kind of this peak of a new trend and that we felt that and it, it, it was so much fun. Now like underground is overground and vice versa and our music is pop music it's not commercial uh, uh, necessarily but it's pop music and that didn't that was not at that time yeah so it was a very definitely not yeah no. it was, and that was that was the big freedom it was hard also because people you had to educate them but they were so open and so it was it was a good development when did things start getting professional for you as DJs and producers was it a steady uh, rise or I don't know? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, it was a steady rise, but it, it became more professional around 95, 96, where we started the production side with a with some producer. And uh, I remember our first official remix production was Ultra Nate Free. And uh, it was a, this was a big run for us. Must it work? Must, must it work? You're free from Ultra no, Nate. That, 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 was, um, uh, no, no, that was not no. Master Work. That was um, we did uh, we did two remixes for Master Work, but uh, Ultra Nate was uh, not Master Work. Uh, anyway, uh, and then it starts, yeah. And then we we start our our DJing outside of Germany or or, or Stuttgart, more to Hamburg or Munich, and and first the first official gig in Hamburg, we drove by car. With the old Audi from from a friend of ours, full of records, full of records for for, for two hours. For yeah. a thousand records. Five thousand records in a, in a little car. We drove to Hamburg. We were so excited, and um, yeah, it was big fun, totally. Yeah, so like mid nineties, we started the production side, but the actual professional touch, like, was more like the end of the nineties. It was in the process of our, our first album which got signed by Classic and Francois Kavokian picked one track for Wave Records in New York so that was the kind of actual real switch there was the time where we spent more time in London than in Stuttgart and we always thought like oh let's move to London and this it was that was a very interesting period of our career and with the so we kind of re-imported ourselves from England because we had our our, our kind of uh, local standing in <laughs> Germany, but the international breakthrough happened through London. Through that, also the recognition in Germany blew up a lot, and so. And then at the same period, we moved to Berlin, and that was kind of the real push. Beginning of best 2000. move ever. Best move ever. <laughs> move to Berlin. Berlin is the best city in the world. <laughs> For you. <laughs> no, Ask other people. It is. Oh, like, no, no. Yeah, well. <laughs> really big Berlin fans, yeah. So when say. did you move here? 2001. Okay. So was it common? Was it, I don't know, to move to Berlin around that time? It was like when the Mandy guys also moved, I think. Kind of at the yeah. same time, yeah. To move to Berlin, was it like a scary, you're going to a weird place, you Not know, at all. like... We felt we felt at home from the very se first second. We were here a lot before, and actually we were all we actually we were ready in our heads to to move on to either London or Berlin. 
because we were traveling already a lot and it was we waited for this one symbolic moment and our record company at that time moved to Berlin said okay that's the moment so let's just follow them and we arrived here and felt like we are here since since ever seems like it, that around 2000 seems like that's when a lot of Germans moved from other cities to Berlin this Frankfurt crew yeah, moved around yeah, there yeah, yeah. you guys yeah then the get physical people I think like, of course there are much more there was the biggest like it was like the two big waves one was in the early 90s right after the war came down a lot of creative people from all over germany moved there was the first big wave and the second big wave was like 10 years later and five years later all the international guys came <laughs> yeah all the english people americans yeah, yeah, and then yeah. it was and it never stopped nobody was... talked german anymore you know <laughs> especially in Mitte or somewhere else <laughs> spanish italian english 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 yeah. hello <laughs> <laughs> why did this move happen this wave 10 years after the wall what was happening did it start getting more I'd... clubs or well, the club scene definitely evolved and and grew a lot, but it was um, it was more of a coincidence, I would say. But um, maybe also because the scene shifted, like there was this focus in Frankfurt, like um, for a long time uh, around Robert Johnson, and and uh, and stuff, and then Hamburg a little bit, but Berlin kind of blew up internationally around 2000 for the first time. And I think that attracted a lot of people. Yeah, it's hard to imagine for me what it was like around that time. So what would you do if you're, if you're a, a young DJ in Berlin? What does, in around 2001, what does your week look like? Like, wasted. <laughs> <laughs> it that's, was such that's, a crazy time, to be honest. Was it, it, was, it was a big party, yeah. Yeah, it was a big party. <laughs> you know, it still is, but now all this professionalism kicks in you know like digital world is definitely something very important and it helps kind of to have this kind of basic democratic consensus you know like it's it's the same chances for everybody whether you sit in Siberia or in Africa or wherever you just need a decent internet connection but at that time it was just really like you have to develop something by yourself and not just click and, and see what happens and get your role model through the internet. That's the big difference. And um, and yeah, but nowadays you see also what happened. We need around 10 years to be at our peak now with the right management and the right decisions. You need maybe 10 two. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. To be honest. Uh, two, two Instagram posts. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, but that's a, that's a huge Bullshit on YouTube and you're a big star. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, sometimes I'm not so sure if this is a good thing or a bad thing. So it's like a very ambivalent, ambivalent uh, situation. So how is it to be an artist in this changing time? Like you've been there for the the analog old school underground days now you're in this social media age like if you've been talking about like have you really had to try and adapt oh yes to fit in in the beginning it was really hard for us to be honest it's it's we ignored it <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> totally fuck, fuck that until un until now Oh, actually, no, no, no. Actually, I, I mean, no, I mean, we we addicted uh, to to this social media thing because we're not addicted. We, like no, but but we need it. We need it. But I'm I'm not a big Facebook fan and and uh, Instagram. It was really. Uh, it's like, you know, these days kids grew up like like they, it's like with, with the mother milk. You know, it's it's just in their system. For us, it was it's not in our system. So we really had to. You know, we had to... I really miss my fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> and my phone, like... <laughs> also, because you're older, you, you don't adapt to new, completely new things that easily when, when you're a teenager or, you know, like, just like... They, my daughter grabs my phone. She's, she's just one year old and she, she, she just knows what to do basically yeah. i mean re remember our father he he he, uh, he became an, a computer um <laughs> in, in, uh, into, into his office right yeah and he, he had no idea how to handle that it was no like, fucking can, idea can it's the same what's that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. trash box yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so did you, people have to tell you to start it. <laughs> yeah well yeah it's like did it we come down to, to agents saying like hey guys you need to be on 
Facebook. You need to take basically, photos. And, basically, yeah. people dragged us. Like, if you really want to move on and don't be like, you're not Ricardo, who is the anti uh, uh, social media guy and but, but because of his standing he's able to do it but if you're not in this uh, position you lose if you don't play by at least by a little bit by the rules either you you have such a strong personality or you're such a relevant uh, character in the scene that you can use it as a tool or you have to play the social media card so that's why we have to decide what we're gonna do well we're not yeah, as if, strong if we are as social Ricardo. media hookers or or if we are strong personalities and give a shit on it <laughs> well, i guess the truth is in the middle i like the way where people just post their gigs maybe a nice photo and that's it not going on this huge like oh, oh my god what an amazing gig uh, <laughs> and then uh, and then and, and on top like uh, the the meal of last night yeah, yeah. Oh exactly yeah, 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 yeah. packing my records <laughs> for the gig <laughs> i that for sure we are very uh, maybe we should do this statement with our post it's a joke and because behind, I, no? i hate it this kind of blah 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 what blah, a night you know like it's <laughs> it's we rather keep it you know not so pretentious just like low key You need you need to use it. Loki, like my hate word. Yeah, Loki. Loki. <laughs> Loki is the name of oh, our, of uh, is the uh, name of uh, the wife of our ex chancellor. Loki, but not Loki. <laughs> Loki Schmidt. Loki Schmidt, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's the interesting thing for me is like you're this generation that was there for the birth of this thing in Germany. Right now, it's so different to what it used to be. You've been making a living off this thing for so long. You've just seen the change so drastically. It is uh, sometimes really, uh, you're just like, uh, what's going on? You but, know, because it's got so fast also. But do you find yourself being negative about it? Like when you're scrolling Facebook and you see what you think is a cheesy Facebook post, do you get annoyed or are you just like, oh, whatever? I think the good thing with age is that you also get a bit um, wiser and a bit easier with things you know i find it very disturbing sometimes and i'm also personally not a big fan i see the benefit the good thing of it that you can connect with your with your fans or with your platform with your whatever you need to, for the connection but what it's kind of a bit perverted now and everything is about there's nothing else anymore take the phones away of people They, they are gonna die basically yeah, yeah. you know they don't you see situations where people sitting on a table and all and they they talk through chats on they're sending them. sms to yeah, each other yeah, like how's the meal group. yeah did exactly. you do I you mean, enjoy crazy you see <laughs> we all know that we all saw that it's insane but that's that's the that's the reality you know people forget how to interact in real life since three months no since six months i have have emails on my iphone Because only of one reason I have my boarding pass yeah. now already. Yeah, that's the only reason. Otherwise, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. Because because email ch checking emails is the second hate word in my in in, in my life after yeah, Loki. You hate it. Yeah, that's true. yeah uh, uh, checking emails. Check 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 check. It's not necessary to be honest. It's 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 it's, it's, it's necessary, but not every second. It's like like going on news, uh, see see the news blog or or what's going on at Facebook or what's going Every on. Every app has like a like an alarm function, and it's yeah. like really. And that's the big problem is you need a very strong personal filter, like for your life, to disconnect from unimportant information because you get so overwhelmed and it really takes away a lot of time, energy. It stresses out your nerve system. It's unhealthy, and we really have to learn to disconnect again, at least for some percentage. Since since January this 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 year, um, my girlfriend and me we have a property outside of Berlin with a little wooden hut, and uh, sometimes we're there for two or three days, without internet connection, without phone, just in the green. Yeah, and this is, this is amazing. Working in the garden, talking to each other, doing normal, normal stuff, human stuff, human stuff, yeah. And 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 this is unbelievable. It's, it's 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 a treasure. Have you guys had any other jobs that weren't to do with music? Well, I'm I'm also like an artist. I studied art before I went into music, and I'm still doing it, or like uh, again more now, and also involved into graphic design and. 
So it was always a, a kind of shifting between art and music. Do you ever wonder like what it would have been like to have like a normal non-music life? Well, I would, I would love it. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I have no idea. I mean, Farmer, it's, it, it, gardener. It, gardener, yeah, but there's no rule doing techno until you die, you know, and, and, and uh, or, or this party life or chatting around the world or something like this. It's, it's, I'm, I'm thinking about this situation, maybe doing something totally different, yeah. yeah. Going on to countryside or doing a world trip for a year or cook or i have no idea but i mean music is is my life and and i'm i, I think i'm i'm producing music until i'm uh death, death <laughs> yeah but but uh not in this constant constantly way but but i think there, there's there's much more ways around techno and and nightlife and which is good for your brain well i mean it's it's the same with anything you do f for a long period of time it, you need a, you know you need to step out of something it's like it's always like what you don't have you miss the most and it's it's a natural thing it's not even that you're finished with something or i think it's a, it's it's a system inside of you as a human being that sometimes protects you from being sucked into something too deeply and you need to step out and i think what he does with this uh, with his garden is super healthy you need to step or, or, out to keep the balance and that you're not you know like or we should open up a club <laughs> you know, <laughs> dig deeper <laughs> no but that's uh, the only thing we both won't fulfill is like a corporate life you know like having corporate jobs like you know whether it's me doing art or he's working in the woods or like playing drums or whatever cooking whatever it's always some kind of uh, like a doing it with your hands or kind of a creative thing and that's what we did when we left school ever since so we never worked in a corporate job right? we never we never get a good a, a proper job because nobody wants <laughs> old raver djs i can't hear you sorry <laughs> luckily that was a joke <laughs> yes our hearing is actually quite good still. No, our health is really good because we are looking really about our health Obviously, not all gigs are good. Obviously, you have ups and downs. What makes you still think these days, this is why I do music? Is it after a gig, you're feeling really good, like you got some positive feedback? Is it while well, you're making music in your studio and you're just really happy doing it? Like, what are the things that remind you, like, wow, I really love what I'm doing. I've been doing this thing for so long, but I still love it. Flying around the world, I love it. To be in a club, I love it. Loud music, I love it. The people, I love it. Produ producing music, it's perfect. But sometimes you have shitty days. Yeah, of course. I think it's, it's as he said, it's it's always what you have at the moment. You know, like when you're in the studio, you miss DJing. When you're DJing, you miss the studio. And both worlds uh, create this kind of euphoric moments. Right now, we're collecting new material for next year, and it's going to be proper club-related stuff. And we are super excited and happy because it, as he mentioned earlier, because of this life aspect of analog gear, it just goes with the flow and it feels really light and easy. And that's a very happy moment for us right now in the studio. And DJ wise, I find it really fulfilling when it's out of the ordinary. I had to cross the border between Turkey and Georgia because of a, a missed connection, uh, uh, not su super important. So I I entered Georgia through a, like a border which just like felt like I'm in a, in a refugee track from Syria or something. It was actually pretty, pretty brutal. And, but I, for nothing in the world, I would want to miss this experience. And also the gig was, was good because when you play for people who are not Having the challenge, uh, the, the chance to, you know, go f t uh, to tw twelve different clubs in one street, like in Berlin, you know, like that's that's the good gigs, and that's the, the interesting moments. And and, and and sometimes you're flying to places you never imagined to go there, you know, like Novosibirsk somewhere in Siberia. If no idea, I I've, I've never would think about to go there to visit to visit uh, Novosibirsk, but you're playing in the middle in the middle of the hills. And it's 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 really wow. I think that's that's the the real treasure or the real 
ben, the, 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 the real reward of our job. You know, and and like we are really is, thankful about it. That we, that we can live this life. To make people happy, to make them dance, to forget their day-to-day -day bullshit, first of all. Second of all, you see corners of the planet you would never imagine. And third, you... You know, it's like the social aspect because you you always see the world of the through the perspective of the promoter who shows you his restaurant, his favorite gallery. Always, you know, it's always kind of I I came up with the word of inner circle tourism. You know, because it's not like you open the internet or TripAdvisor or a book. You know, and and you you get the introduction through a very subject perspective and that's uh, it's amazing and and you you know so many cities uh, um, sometimes i'm sitting in front of the tv watching a movie and see a street and say oh that's miami you know yeah yeah, yeah. well you become like a really experienced traveler now after yeah all these years yeah. and you you know so many people around the globe and this is this is really that's a wow. gift yeah it's, it's a, a real gift, gift. and we're really like uh, thankful for that thank you ali <laughs> thank you basti <laughs> <laughs> So what kind of relationship do you have with your early tracks? Do you ever go back and revisit them? Oh, well, we, we had yeah. to because of the, our 20th anniversary. And, you know, the big, big numbers sometimes uh, give you no other chance. And then we're like, what? Wow. We just did a, like a really extremely long uh, um, mix for a phase magazine that they presented our... our uh, um, anniversary it, and it was really long but the half of the tracks yeah and then we yeah, realized how much material is there and and we're sitting there digging into our like and we're like wow, wow. that's us wow and also like this you know because it's like this crazy journey into sound and that was a real experience you know like because you you, you forget you don't have every track present in front of you and It was it was it was a great experience to to really dig and find out about even like hidden tracks or tracks they not really have been released and dub versions and edits and so it's quite a lot and it's it's um, fulfilling. So how is it different signing records to labels now, like compared to the nineties, like in the old day? <laughs> yeah, is it more? Is it horrible? It's quite horrible because you don't, you know, like you have to be happy, uh, have to be really lucky to receive an answer, you know, like first of from, all from old friends. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy because everybody is in his own little bubble. Everything got really protective, you know, like it's it's the concurrent, you know, like this this fight because it's so much so much out there. You have to be very. You have to um, protect yourself that you, first of all, don't lose your focus. And it's a shield. And more and more people to be to, to stay relevant, they have their friends, like their little group of friends and talents, and they protect it. And whether they dig something and invite you, but if you knock on their door, you don't even get an answer because they are so like, oh, That's our thing. We have to be sure yeah, that. But but on the other side, hey Ali, how are you doing? You know, nice to meet you. Blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. How's the daughter? How's the how's life? But it's. I want to send you music. Ah, oh, see you later. Or oh, send it to I me, but it, no reply. It's yeah. not. It's not something. Um, it's not personal. But it's you. We, we we see that more and more that people are really protect their little bubble, because there's so much out there, and you you kind of lose it if you don't do it. I mean. Of course, there is also like a, a, and, like and a kind of a, a behavior, you know. But uh, the most most of the people are not doing risk, you know. They're really sitting in their cupboard and oh no, no risk, no fun, no no risk, yeah. But we said uh, we say no risk, no fun, and it, I think at that time now, risk is really important. With the help of the internet, everything is available all the time so a lot of people you know follow the the trends and start to adapt it quite easily because the tools are there everything is easier uh, to achieve Producing music yeah so there's a lot of well-produced music out there but there is no that's what basti wouldn't say there's no edge to it no no you know it's and that's it's more difficult to to find your own handwriting I don't want to name name anybody in specific uh, specifically, but it's it's really like there's this key people everybody follows, which which is totally f it's fair enough, and they deserve their success. But to 
to be different and sound different. That's the hard thing these days, not to be number three, four, five, and six, you know? Because you, we receive tons of uh, demos, well-produced, but all sound Boring. the same. Boring, yeah. Same bass line, same bass drum, same, same, same. So what do you think it is? I also think about this a lot. Like, these people are obviously creative people. Otherwise, they wouldn't want to make music. Yeah. Why don't they go the next step and think, hmm, this guy made this track. I'm going to try and make something different. Like, why... It's the same thing with DJing. Like, once some style becomes cool, all of a sudden there are 100 DJs yeah. playing this sound. Like, tell you what why. is it about human nature? It's, it's first of all, uh, it's the zeitgeist. But it's also... Zeitgeist, it's, yeah. it, No, it's, it's because it became a, such a huge business. DJ now is like, it's the new rock star thing, you know? And if you do it right, you have the chance to be on stage in front of people you know, get an image, which is good for your ego or for a lot of people. They need that or want that. And it's really well paid for the amount of invest you have to make. So if you if you do a, like a top 10 list, what you have to follow to become a successful DJ, <laughs> yes. you know, it's get the right manager, get uh, be a social media expert, <clears throat> bum, bum, bum. And the music is maybe number four, five four or five you yeah. know and and then it gets interesting or you are says Troxler Dixon or Ian down Daniel Avery or something like one of these really standout personalities who dig since 20 years and you know that's something else but who that's one out of a thousand and that's the other side of the story but that's not what these people are aiming for it's it's a it's a very trendy zeitgeist job and you can if you do several steps right you receive a certain amount of success the rest is talent and luck but it's different than when we started because you had to buy records you have to learn how to mix you have to hold the beat and then you have to find the records and to i was in chicago at the uh, gramophone, uh, end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s, and I was shipping home like 200 records. And you know, we, we really, that you had to go treasure hunting. Yeah. I mean, that's, sorry to, to finish that. <clears throat> There's this vinyl only trend also. That's a good thing to balance the other craziness. But also that's became trendy because the other thing became too strong. Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes when I'm playing, I put something up, uh, uh, on, on, the, on the BPM number like like what uh, thinks that okay we can work together but not in the 123 bpm ghetto <laughs> yeah you know what i mean and and back in the days when you, where we played uh, records sometimes you have no idea how fast you are or how slow you know and this this is this feeling is is it's not there anymore well at the end of the day it's about music and how you present it it's uh, yeah but it's boring it's, it's, no it's, no i'm it, not talking about that i'm talking yeah. about the music you play if you play interesting music, it's never boring. It's nice. Enough. Yeah, but 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 uh, in these days, it's 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 not more than 122 BPM, and and uh, if you're playing 124, you're out of the game. Yeah, you but know. Then look at Nina Kravitz who plays 130. Yeah, but Nina Kravitz <laughs> plays between 120 and 140. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's cool because and she that's, takes a risk. That's that's, she, that's amazing because uh, Nina Kravitz forever. <laughs> so have tempos? How fast would were you playing in the 90s, I guess? For, like up around... 128? Okay. Sometimes? Like proper house, or, quick tempo. Uh, one, 118. No, it, it was, there, wasn't, uh, there was also no rule. It you wasn't know, as it, fixed. It was not as fixed, yeah. But there were, there were times where it was definitely a bit faster and there were times where it was definitely a bit slower. But now it's kind of... Yeah, but in general, it was like a wave. Yeah. For long... Like most of the time when we did our clubs it was around 124 but move two cities like move to frankfurt with omen it was 130 you know it but there was more but, techno but, related but the interaction to to between the dj and the people is back in the days were more intense instead of now because because everybody's is looking uh to mixing right uh which button i have to press now and 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 the interaction to the public is is not really intense not to several, not to everybody, but but um, I feel that. Yeah, there's not as much reading the crowd or 
I guess the stages are also so I mean, huge now. I mean, I mean, I was I was playing in Italy last last year, and uh, my set time was around two o'clock, and the DJ before me was kind of a, a tech house guy, twenty years old, and uh, uh, I entered the DJ booth and said hello, and uh, it's five to two. Um, do you start at two? I said no, I want to have a drink. I started two thirty. Oh, I have no record anymore, you know. And this is this is really <laughs> not really cool. So when you're, if we're, if anyone's, I, I, I started three. <laughs> yeah, if anyone's DJing before you, they have to bring extra records because <laughs> you'll be at the bar. <laughs> yeah. Just put that on the rider. Yeah, exactly. Oh, like the tech rider. I might be late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask how uh, how did these records get signed to Classic? We were friends with Luke Solomon and Derek Carter. Uh, because they also played in our club. One party, another party, one after hour, another after hour. At one point, they, we said, hey, can we send you some music? And then we were already DJing quite a lot in London, and somehow the connection to, to Classic got stronger and closer. And at one point, they we presented them our album and said, we want it. A natural way. Natural yeah. way, yeah. Yeah, nice. It's true what you say. You have had a lot of different... You've touched on a lot of different styles mm-hmm. over the years. There's this really deep house stuff, then there's more techno, like freaky sounds. Yeah. Do you just go in to make music and just see what happens? Or are you kind of thinking... Both. Both. What you should do. I think these days we're more analytic, but we, but we love accidents. Yeah, this is this is really important when you're sitting in the studio, not like sitting in a cupboard or in a, in a little little box. Uh, accidents are really important, and and uh, that makes it more human, you know. I mean, now with all the experience over all these years and for full albums and several, I don't know how many remixes and EPs and stuff, we a bit more adva- like experienced and we know what we don't want that's that's important to start with you know and then we leave it up to the flow right now we we know we want to focus on club stuff before we did this the last album was again a turn out of the ordinary because we created kind of a a very interesting crossover between electronic and pop with this with Khan as our singer and it was a super interesting uh, process and 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 we were super happy with the result but at the end of the day we left the DJ highway for a little bit and that's that's also a risk because the you know there's so much traffic out there once you leave your 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 lane you you know you lose uh, you lose uh, um, people start immediately replace you you know it's really you have to be very very aware of 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 the moves you make these days but at the end it was really good to leave the techno highway because uh you recognize i there's something else first of all and it's necessary to go some to do mistakes it was not the most not a mistake. No, it, was it wasn't. Like no, exp- but but an but experiment. The, the experiment, yeah. But but that's what I said before. No risk, no fun, and so um, that's why we're here. And again. When you listen to the the record, actually, you say, "Wow, great!" As long as we gonna work as a duo, we will work like that. And the stuff we do right now is totally different approach. But uh, at the end of the day, we will. Come to the same conclusion, you know. It's 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 good that we are flexible and don't stick in one corner. <laughs>